Hello, friends. This is Michael Bohm with Youth Apologetics Training. Uh, today, we're going to have a guest, Grace Malley, on the podcast. Uh, friends, if you're like me, you may find it difficult sometimes to share your faith. Uh, you know, when you have that opportunity to talk to, whether it's a friend or a random stranger, Maybe it's your waitress or waiter, uh, somebody at the grocery store, whatever. There's those moments when you want to share your faith, you feel that desire, but you have, <laughs> you have no idea how to start the conversation, how to get the ball rolling, and, well, what to do when the ball gets rolling. Uh, today we're going to be talking with Grace Malley about her book, Will our generation speak. Guys, this book is a gold mine. Uh, if, if you have issues speaking to strangers, witnessing to people, how do you start the conversation? What about those fears that you have? Uh, what if they come at you with certain questions? You know, how do you handle these situations? Grace's book was a tremendous encouragement for me. Uh, and I think it will be for you as well. Grace really shows you the on-the-ground tactics of starting these conver conversations, so many different ways that you can do it, helping you over overcome your fears in witnessing, uh, questions you can ask, uh, also flagging you on many of the questions that may come up in these conversations. Really, guys, this is one of those books out there that I would call a must-read uh, for both adults and youth who want to share their faith. Now, this book definitely is aimed at youth sharing their faith. But, guys, <laughs> I'm almost 40 years old. I don't know if you guys know that, but <laughs> this book really challenged me and uh, encouraged me in so many different ways. And I can't wait to take this out into the streets and start utilizing some of these different uh, tactics and strategies uh, to reach the lost. Just an amazing book. And, and Grace really is an amazing person. She's only 25 years old. She, as well as her family, have a ministry called Tomorrow's Forefathers with the goal of equipping families to be strong in the Lord. Uh, she's also part of a ministry called Bright Lights with her older sister, Sarah. Now, this is a pretty unique ministry. Basically, it's small groups of, of young ladies who want to be uh, pure, clean, spotless, uh, young, bright lights for the Lord. The, the vision of Bright Lights is to encourage girls to be re radiant in godliness, holiness, and testimony, to be strong in the Lord in their youth. They have over 500 of these Bright Light groups now that have started uh, all over the world. Uh, and so anyway, yeah, with much excitement, uh, Grace Malley, welcome to the Youth Apologetics Training Podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. So, uh, friends, again, like I mentioned in the introduction, we're talking about her book, Will Our Generation Speak? A Call to Be Bold with the Gospel. This book really did change me. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm hoping, friends, that it will change you. Uh, really, if you have a problem 
if you want to go out and witness and you have a problem with that, be it uh, nervousness, I, I'll tell you what, I can relate to that, just the, the fear of walking up to a stranger and trying to talk to him about Christ and about sin and, and their need for a Savior, uh, yeah, it's, it's nerve-wracking. Well, this book really does give you um, so many examples in so many different ways to talk to people, whether they're your friends, their family, or maybe just random strangers at the mall, at an amusement park. It doesn't matter. And so, uh, Grace, first of all, how old were you when you started sharing your faith? Well, my dad would take us kids out um, passing out checks when we were pretty young. So I, I always sort of remember doing that. But then I remember when I was about maybe 11, my older sister, she would, um, she started doing, trying to do more like conversations. And so I remember going out with her and I remember that it was so hard to even just talk to someone, like get a conversation started because I, I really didn't have a plan. We didn't have an approach. But when I was 15 or so was when, um, I started, or maybe 14 and started doing more like questionnaires. Um, and that was a very helpful, um, approach. So, I don't know, it was somewhere in those early teen years that I started doing uh, more conversations. And, and, yeah, so talk about those fears and those right. reservations and the things, right. you know, those hurdles that typical people run into when they want right. to witness. Yes, and so, I know, I mean, you, I would maybe think, oh, I should witness to this person, and then it would just be this, like, thought of um, <laughs> my stomach would just kind of tie itself in knots, and I would just feel so afraid, you know. I don't know why it would be such a fear, but I would think, well, I don't know what to say. How, what would I say to start? How, what would, you know? And um, so what really helped me is just to be equipped when I had a plan, like, I, this is what I might say, and this is how I would start the conversation, like, maybe I would hand them a, a little tract, you know, and it would say something interesting, and then that would kind of break the ice, and then the, it would get a conversation started. Um, and when I began practicing that, I found that often it's not nearly as hard as we think it will be. And, um, like, for example... One time I walked into a gas station and there was just some junior high uh, kids hanging out. So, you know, while my dad was pumping gas, I thought, hey, I could witness to these kids for a few minutes. But isn't that, like, really awkward? I mean, how would you start a conversation? You know, I'm totally a stranger. And and so, but the thing is, I had a little um, IQ quiz with me. And so I thought, oh, I'll do that. And so I pulled the IQ quiz out of my purse, and I said, hey, guys, do you want to try a little uh, IQ quiz? And all of a sudden, that just it just set them at ease. And the girl kind of looked over at the guy in a teasing way, and she's like, try it, <laughs> you know. And so then he did, and then um, it leads right into the gospel because it's a gospel tract. And so I said, okay, now try the questions on the back, you know, and they're gospel questions. And in just, like, a couple minutes, we were talking about, like, heaven and hell and knowing Christ and all of that just because I had a little tool. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that a Living Waters track? Yes, 
Yes, it's a green IQ quiz with the little triangles from Living Waters. Yeah, I think I got some of those. Sorry about the rabbit trail. Anyway, um, <laughs> so tracks seem to be a, a pretty effective tool in, in breaking the ice. Um, interesting. So how, how do you use tracks generally? I mean, how does that work out? Yeah, it depends on the track. I really like ones that have to do with holidays. Um, and my dad has written some different ones, um, and my sister and I together on, you know, uh, Easter about the resurrection or Christmas, um, or like even for Halloween, we have this one that's called the, the death track, and there's a lot of verses about what the Bible says about death. And when it oh. has to do with the holiday, then people are more receptive to it because it's like, oh, this is interesting. And also, when it's something that we wrote, it makes it even easier to give away because I'll just say, hey, this is something that our family wrote for Easter or Christmas, and people um, are much more receptive to that, I think. But um, regarding tax in general, I like to give them just to people like cashiers, People I, just even people that are sitting on benches, just, you know, hey, here's something to read. And if, if you're confident when you pass out a tract, then people are much more comfortable to take it. You know, if you, if you say like, you put out your hand and you're really shy and you're like, do you want this? <laughs> you know, people are going to feel really awkward. <laughs> but if you say, hey, this is for you, this is for you, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, you know, and you just kind of give it to them then often people really appreciate it. And they read them, they keep them. So I've talked to people who, like, have kept them and, you know, they have them laying around in their house. One time um, I was went into uh, Kinko's to get something printed, and the lady, I prayed in advance that God would prepare her heart for um, just, God would prepare the heart of whoever I would work with in that store when I went in, just so I could have a witnessing opportunity there. And so as she was helping me, I gave her the check for the uh, evidence for the resurrection that we wrote for Easter. And then she's like, oh, I've seen this before. And I was really surprised because we just wrote it just recently. But um, she's like, yeah, someone gave this to us, to my son, and it's been laying around our house. And so I was reminded that, you know, we have no idea where those checks will go and how many people will read them. And, of course, then I was really encouraged, too, how I saw God answer my prayer. Like, he had prepared her for that conversation by receiving a tract um, from, you know, someone on our team (laughs) sometime in the last couple months. Right, right. And, okay, so you brought up uh, praying. There's a chapter in your book called Moving the Hand of God. And in that, you talk about praying, uh, basically, and, and I'm not talking word of faith here, but just praying Big prayers and, and, you know, expecting that God will come through because, listen, God has sent us out to share the gospel. And when you pray for things like that, Lord, please prepare their heart, uh, these types of prayers, God is going to come through. Um, You want to talk to that effect a little bit? Yes. Well, um, you know, Paul, he went to the marketplace in Athens and he just talked with those who happened to be there. And we've just seen that when we go out just to a park or a mall or somewhere and we just pray that God would bring along people in our path who are hungry for the gospel. And we see God doing that over and over. And 
we see, you know, uh, and not not everybody is, of course, but um, the Lord is in control, and he's able to orchestrate those connections and those meetings. And, um, you know, I think that's one of the, the Lord's favorite prayers when we're asking to share the gospel and for him to bring people along our path. I know one time I prayed this one morning, I just said, Lord, please bring someone to me today that I could share the gospel with. <laughs> I just asked that I wouldn't even have to go, that God would bring someone to me. And later that night we were at Taco Bell, and this guy, I had given a track to the cashier, and then this guy came over and he just like sat down at our table and wanted to know what that track was about and just had questions. And at first I was like, this is weird, this is kind of weird. But then I realized, hey, I just prayed that this morning, you know, and God is answering my prayer. Mm. Praise God. That is so neat. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, when I'm going out and witnessing, I, oh boy, I can think of a million excuses why not to talk to certain people. And it's funny, as I was reading your book, I saw those same excuses. Uh, you'll look at yeah. some people and you'll think, oh man, uh, you know, that person looks really busy or wow, that person looks a little agitated. I don't think that I should go and interrupt their already angry attitude and, and just throw another monkey wrench into it all. Yeah. Um, you might look at somebody who looks like uh, they're very um, intelligent and think, oh boy, I'm not ready for that person. They're going to tear me up. You know, How do you overcome these kinds of excuses? And there's a million of them out there. I know. Yes. Well, um, one thought that helps me is just thinking, like, what do I have to lose just by greeting them and saying something? And, you know, if they really don't want to talk, it's okay. I mean, they can go. I can find someone else. But just by trying, you know, by handing them a little one track that I like to use sometimes are um, animal cards. They're, people are very intrigued. They have interesting facts about the animal cards. They're produced by um, the Joe Martin Ministry. Uh, biblical discipleship ministries. Um, yeah. Another thing, million dollar bills are really easy to give people, and you know, just things uh, and kind of, kind of see if they are receptive, and then if they are, then it's easy. <laughs> you just go on from there, and if they're not, just go to someone else. But um, the mindset of dealing with excuses. <laughs> I think that it does help to remember that we can't see inside their heart and we don't know. You know, all those things that come to mind, we just remember those. That's our fear and that's our, our flesh. And often it's those very people that, um, sometimes the ones that seem like they would be the most resistant are the ones who are the most open and they have fears and they have confusion and hurts and, um, so I think that it's, Learning to, you know, and praying that God would work in, work in us that we, we would see as Christ sees these people and have a love for mm -hmm. them that would be thinking about them and not thinking about ourselves, which will drive us to speak with them. Ooh, good. Okay, so what about if you're, what about those who are thinking, I don't have the gift? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the gift of evangelism, like as in Ephesians 4.11, you know, we yeah. know that God does like equip um, some people to, I think that it's kind of talking about um, 
train like some people to especially be training others in evangelism. Um sure. but there's different, you know, interpretations on what that means and I'm not completely sure I can fully, you know, <laughs> say this is what the gift of evangelism is. But what we do know is that we are all called to be Jesus' witnesses and to be sharing the gospel. So yeah. um, that's what we should be focusing on. And um, it's something that the church says as a whole, not just, you know, the pastor, a couple people. So. Well, what about those who might be concerned about making a mistake? I've certainly been in those shoes. Right. Oh boy, what if I, what if I, I know, make a mistake? I know, me too, yes. Well, um, we all make mistakes, and so I think it's helpful just to realize that, um, you know, it's, we learn from our mistakes. And sure, we may get into a situation where we're not quite sure what to say, but then that's helpful because we um, are more motivated to go and study apologetics and learn mm. from people. And, you know, there's a, I know that that's what has motivated me to learn and study by being asked questions and I wasn't quite sure what to say. So then I go home and I want to know what to say for the next time. Right, right. And also God is bigger than our mistakes. And God, we're not, it's not like their salvation is dependent upon our eloquent <laughs> answer. You know, it's the Lord working. Praise God for that too. Not that I've ever made a mistake because I don't make mistakes, but right. there might be somebody out there listening who has made a mistake once exactly. before. <laughs> okay. What would you say to the person who is thinking, well, I'm too young. I have a lot of young listeners and they're thinking, well, that that's all well and fine, but Grace and Mike, they're older. You know, what, what would you say to them? Yes. Well, actually sometimes, um, Younger people are the very best. And so if anyone is thinking that they're too young, you know, that's a real um, misconception because um, there's some things that younger people can do in witnessing that you can't do as easily when you're older. Like, young people, are people love to talk to young people. I mean, when a, two 12-year-olds go up to an adult in a park and say, Hey, we're doing a little, uh, we are doing a little questionnaire. Could we ask you some questions? It's about spiritual belief. You know, something like that. Usually adults, they're just intrigued by that. They're really interested and they're much, they're very open. Um, because they're not threatened and they're not intimidated and they're, they're just thinking, wow, these girls are really different. They're really mature and respectful. And, and so it adds. To, to be young, and they see a contrast between them and, and the world, and they're not expecting a young person to, to know all of the answers, but um, it's just a great time to be practicing and to be um, asking people questions, and there's a, a voice that young people have that the world really listens to, because the, the world watches the younger generation, and they're intrigued by them, and... Um, I remember one time I was at a coffee shop, uh, I was at Panera Bread, and this older lady was sitting at a table nearby, and I was working on my laptop, and she said, um, do you need a place to plug that in? And I said, no, it's fine on battery, and thank you, though. And then she looked at me, and she's like, do you like working on that? <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah, I do. And, and she's like, let me ask you something. What is texting? 
Well, you do that on your phone, and and she's like, oh, and she's like, young people, they they just are so interesting to me. I just love watching young people and the things they do. And and so then she was asking me about my life, which then gave me an opportunity to share about our ministry and um, share about the Lord. And and then I gave her a chat. And um, then I saw her again at the same place the following week, and she pulled the tract out of her purse, and she said, like, she still had it, and she had been showing it to her friends. And, oh, no um, way. All of that just because I was, a, I was a young person, and that really can be a helpful thing. Wow. Wow. All right, guys. There you go. <laughs> uh, so uh, in your book, you also talk about uh, using the law to uh, get to people's consciousness. Is you know you you're, you're talking about the law of God, and it really it, it illuminates the sin in people's lives. Do you want to make some comments to that effect? Yeah. Why should we use the law? Why should we talk about the Ten Commandments? Right. Well, because often people they don't really realize. Um, the, the cross and Jesus' gift to us of salvation doesn't, isn't really going to click with them and make sense if they think they're fine as they are. And most people um, think that they're good. And if you really question them, like asking questions is so important in witnessing. So when you ask, um, you know, do you think that, uh, how do you think one gets to heaven? Most people will say, well, by being a good person. And so, and then usually they think that they're a good person. And so <laughs> they don't realize their need for Jesus. They think that they're going to make it to heaven just as they are. And so um, what I like to say is, well, there's a little good person test that the Bible gives us. Do you want to try it? And so then they'll, you know, now they're interested and they'll say yes. And so I'll just say, well, have you ever told a lie? And, you know, have you ever stolen something or dishonored your parents? And and then I'll tell them, you know, that, of course, I've been too. And just kind of explain that we have to compare ourselves with um, God's standard, not our own. Because our own standard, um, it, we just compare ourselves to the people around us and think, oh, well, I'm better than the kid down the street, so I'm probably fine. But when we compare ourselves with God's standard, we realize, like, we are filthy. And we're going to be in big trouble if God judges us by his own standard. It's like a sheep will look white against the green grass. But when it snows, all of a sudden that sheep looks gray against the white snow. And so when people compare their lives and their hearts with God's perfect standard and realize that God's requirement for heaven is perfection, then that's when they realize that they're in big trouble and they realize their need for Jesus. Mm. So what do you say when they respond with something along the lines of, uh, well, yeah, I've done those things in the past, but I've changed now. I, I've changed since then. Right, yeah. Well, it shows that they are still trying to get to heaven by themselves and that they're like just, you know, they think that um, they aren't thinking about God's justice. Because in a court, if a criminal walks up to the judge and says, yeah, I know I murdered that person, but I'm different now, <laughs> that's not going to hold up in court. You know, you're a criminal. And with the Lord, 
um, you know, if someone said that, they would just be like a reformed criminal, maybe, but they would still have a criminal record that needs to be paid for. Right. Yeah. Amen to that. Um, yeah, guys, if you want to know more about using uh, the law to to um, lead people to Christ, you ought to check out Ray Comfort's little booklet, uh, Hell's Kept. Uh, I'm sorry, wait. Hell's Best Kept Secret. Uh, Also, Ray Comfort has uh, many podcasts online and uh, different resources. But, yeah, he predominantly will approach people and and ask them if they're a good person and take them to the Ten Commandments, uh, which is a great tool to have in your bag when you're speaking to people. Um, It really does show people the need, their need for a Savior because they realize that they really are bankrupt before God. They really have sinned against the Holy God, and there really is no way to reconcile that without Christ. Right. Yes. So um, another thing that you talk about in your book is using questions when witnessing. Why would you use questions? Why not just tell them what's up? Yeah, so so many reasons, because uh, everyone is at a different place. And um, they have different um, belief systems, and they have a different view of God. And it's important that we understand a little bit of where they're at so that we can do a good job um, pointing them to Christ in a way that they can understand. Um, so it just even helps just starting out with a few. It doesn't have to be anything complicated. But one question I like to ask is um, sometimes I'll just start with the question, uh, in the last six months, has your interest in God increased or decreased or stayed about the same? And mm. then I'll ask, how would you rate your knowledge of the Bible from 1 to 10? Just so I can feel them out, you know. And then one question that's very helpful is saying, um, do you think eternal life is a free gift or something you have to earn? Mm. And um, another great question for uh, figuring out where they're at is to ask, you know, um, if you stood before God and he asked you why he should let you into heaven, what would your answer be? And yeah. by those answers, we can pretty much figure out if they are, um, you know, trusting in themselves, if they know anything about what the Bible says, and then and then go on from there and then continue to ask questions because questions make them think. And it also makes it easier for us because we don't have to, you know, have these eloquent speeches prepared. In fact, that may not be so effective in reaching them because they want to converse with us. They want conversation. They don't want to just be preached at. Right, right. It's a little bit different of an approach than just to say to somebody, oh, you know, the, the typical preaching at them, you're, you're a sinner, you're going to hell. Rather, yeah. you're asking them questions, and when they answer those questions, well, now that answer has come from them, not from you. So they've right. pretty much taken ownership of it. Yes. Um, and and yes. I really appreciate that that approach. Um, yeah. In in uh, your book, you have uh, friends. She has a whole stash <laughs> of questions. <laughs> it's several pages of really good questions. Great ways to start conversations. And perhaps even uh, with, with each of these questions, there is some thoughts below it as in, well, what if they say this? What if they say that? How would you respond? You know, and, and get you thinking about that question a little bit before you launch it at 
somebody you're, you're trying to, to reach. Uh, it's such a good way to talk to people. Uh, it, it makes me think of uh, a book that I read a while back, also one of those game changers for me, by Greg Kokel. By, uh, it's uh-huh. called Tactics. Yes. A game. Yes. I love that book. And I see some of those things as I'm reading through your book. I'm thinking, wow, I wonder if she's aware of Greg Kokel because <laughs> I can see a lot of, well, not a lot, but I see some of Greg Kokel in, in the things that you do. Nice. Uh, yeah, I have um, appreciated his ministry. And I think he has a lot of good, like really good teaching on questions. I agree. Awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. You also have responding questions, uh, which, again, yeah, it makes me think of Greg Kokel when they uh, come back at you and they, they say, um, well, they come up with their own story. Like, I don't know, uh, well, I believe that aliens seeded us on this planet. Well, you want to ask questions like, well, where, where did you come? How did you come to that conclusion? <laughs> Or why do you believe that? Yeah. Or perhaps they start talking about evolution. Well, uh, what what about evolution makes you believe that it's true? Uh, what facts can you point to that can really validate this idea of evolution? Why would you believe right. that? And, right. and so, yeah, there's another more ways to take that spotlight off of you, allow them to speak a little bit. It, it helps you understand their position a little bit better and then gives you somewhere to go. Right, and it makes it easier for us because we don't have to feel like we have to just always have this amazing answer. You know, we just continue to (laughs) ask questions and um, have them explain it. And sometimes by just continuing to ask questions, um, they kind of get, like, into a corner and they they don't really have anywhere to go. And it's like they kind of dig themselves into a hole themselves because they can't (laughs) – they can't defend their beliefs, and it's not our—it's not like we're trying to make them look stupid, but we're just trying to help them realize that that doesn't—that doesn't hold up, so that they realize it. Yeah, yeah, amen, yeah, and, and so, well, okay, so what do you do when people are not so friendly? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, there was um, just not too long ago. I went to the park, and I. Um, asked these two moms <laughs> that then they're kind of like oh, one mom and her friend and I said ask them about their uh, you know kind of just little questionnaire and ask you some questions and they were willing and right away by their answers I could tell that they weren't just non-Christians they were like anti-Christian especially this one lady and she claimed this one belief that was just really blasphemous towards God and um so I was thinking, oh, boy, <laughs> what am I going to do? You know, how will this conversation go? But I knew that the Lord would, <laughs> the Lord would make, it, make it go somehow. But um, what, what ended up happening is I basically just asked a lot of questions. And that way, it wasn't really like she had anything by which she could a- accuse or attack me. She was just trying to defend and explain her position. And um, even some questions that can be asked is, like, what is what bothers you about Christianity? And, you know, just have them explain what they're feeling and just being humble with them and, say, and um, let them talk, you know, and let them get it out there. And then 
just respond with kindness and love and um so when people aren't that friendly often it's because they have previous experiences with Christians that were negative and so they just think you're another one of them but um it's a great opportunity just to show kindness and just real concern for them and not um you know bang them over the head with our beliefs but being willing to listen to theirs and meekness means um just like strength but under control and so that we we listen and often for me really I haven't found that many people to be unfriendly I think that when we are kind they you know I haven't had a a lot of people that get really upset and I think some of it just does depend on the way we handle it on our end huh okay so you you haven't encountered any uh, violent people or perhaps maybe verbally abusive? Oh, uh, yes, yeah, some. <laughs> some, but um, not, like, not a lot, <laughs> you know? I think it's not what I'll encounter all the time, but but sometimes, but it's really not a problem. It's not a, um, you know, we real, you just have to have the right realization that it's not really you, it's you know, that they are fighting against God in their hearts. And often they have a lot of hurt and a lot of problems in their own heart, and we can pray for them. But um, but realize that we can um, trust the Lord to be working in them and in us. And But, yeah, I think it's good to expect some. Do you have any suggestions for those types of situations when things get a little bit out of hand and perhaps – your well-being is suddenly threatened? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you actually aren't physically safe, I would say to um, leave, right? I mean, obviously, it's important to be in a place where you are safe. Like, for girls, you know, not to go, or anyone, yeah. not to go in, like, back alleys and, you know, realize that staying in pairs, um, being, getting counsel on, you know, what's safe and what's not. But, um and just responding to people that are that are angry, um, sometimes there's a point when the conversation isn't really going anywhere, and so it's best just to, um, you know, go to someone else and pray for them. Um, I think that if we realize that um, they may be responding to us in a negative way because of their own their own um, hurts inside, you know, yeah. we can have a it, it really changes the way we look at them and the situation. And our goal isn't to win arguments, it's that their hearts would be melted by the love of Christ. Mm, and yes. often like an argument seems like, oh, this is kind of this is really interesting. This is going to be such an interesting story to tell my friends later, you know, and that is not the right <laughs> perspective. Like, we want to just be, um, like, we're told, you know, in um, Timothy that, that this servant of the Lord not, is, must not strive, but be gentle. And um, that's the example we see in Scripture. Not that we aren't to contend for the faith, but to be doing it in a Christ-like way. Yeah, yeah. 
So uh, you mentioned uh, going and witnessing down dark alleys. What types of places do you choose to go and witness to? What are good what, what are good environments to witness in, and what are not so good environments to try and share your faith in? Yes, I like to go to um, the University of Iowa, um, which I like to do. Uh, you know, college campuses parades are great um, because people arrive and they have nothing to do. They're just waiting for the parade to start so we have a a couple parades that we like to go to in our town um just parks i like to you know especially if it's a large enough park where there are some people just walking around or sitting around um you know stuff going on um malls can be great um and Often there's, you know, sometimes things like sporting events or tailgating, or, you know, where people are just kind of out and not in a big hurry. And then when they are sort of in a relaxed mode and they're willing to talk, that's great. Um, but but then there's, of course, just people you encounter on a day-by-day basis in the store or restaurants or grocery stores. And, and often those can be great opportunities too so hmm. okay and so how do you choose uh, if you're in a big group of people um, let's say you're at an Oktoberfest I was at one of those a couple okay. weeks back okay. with a bunch of people from our church how do you select somebody you know yeah. there, there's so many people I usually um, will look for someone that uh, I, I usually look for younger people like teenage girls and that would be my preferred <laughs> target if I can and there's a couple of reasons for that um, obviously sure. everyone needs the gospel and I, I'm okay with talking to most anyone but um, usually younger people are more receptive to an on the street conversation about the Lord or about spiritual things this is what I found as a whole and, I, and when they're close to my age. Also, there's a little bit more of an authoritative, um, like, it's a little bit easier to talk with them and really share some answers with them, whereas sometimes adults are more, um, you know, they're kind of, they have their own beliefs and they're not going to be quite as, uh, maybe quite as responsive to what I think as younger people would be. But I also, you know, go to adults. I just try not to go to, um, like, I would say for girls, it's not best to go to guys, like, one-on-one because sometimes they'll misjudge your motive for just, like, walking up out of the blue and trying to have a conversation with them. No, guys would never do that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Huh. Okay, so how do you start your conversation? Um... Usually I'll use a questionnaire um, or a tract, and if it's a questionnaire, I'll walk up with a little pad of paper and say, hey, um, I'm here just doing a little questionnaire today about spiritual beliefs. Do you guys have a minute to answer a couple questions? And usually they say yes, and so then right there, you know, the conversation has started, and I just kind of go through my list, and, and often they are they get interested and they get drawn into the conversation and then the, the questionnaire is just kind of on the back burner and then we just keep talking. Um, 
but sometimes I'll use tracks and I'll go up and, you know, some, sometimes I'll, I'll use the million dollar bill tracks that the Living Waters Ministry produces and I'll just hand them a million dollars and I'll say, there's a million dollar question in the back. And so then they turn it over and they read the question which says, will you go to heaven when you die? And so then I'll just ask, so what do you guys think? I, what do you think happens when someone dies? And, and then get their thoughts on it and then go from there. Hmm. Uh, this is a very open question, but what other little practical tips and, and uh, advice would you have for somebody who is starting out, really doesn't even know where to start, and, uh, yeah, they have your book. Where do they start? I mean, what other tips could you give people who want to go out and witness? Yeah, I think that it's just, um, it's good to be prepared and to a degree. You know, like you say, well, I, here are three questions that I could ask in a conversation, and here are three verses that would be good to share. But um, not to wait too long to actually start talking with people, because witnessing is really something that you learn as you go. And you can't just learn it in a classroom. You have to learn it as you go and talk with people and see how they respond. And um, so I would say to uh, just start doing it. And um, and I've asked friends, you know, there's, we have a whole witnessing team in our area, a lot of young people that are just really excited about witnessing. And, and I've asked some of them in particular, like, what was it that really helped you just get past that fear and just get zealous for sharing the gospel with people so much. And they've told me, you know, it was like really when I just started doing it. Like when I started coming with, you know, the group. And that was a helpful thing that we had a group so they could come along. Um, so it's nice if, if you do have a friend who wants to come with you because two helps you to be more bold. But um, just by stepping out there and the first conversation is the hardest, but then you gain confidence. Huh. So perhaps uh, something that a youth group could pull together and do. Yes. maybe study study some of the things in your book and come up with a plan, get some tracks, break up into teams, and maybe head up to a mall or something yes. um, and <laughs> just get out there. Right. And it's so exciting just to be doing it together. You bond together because you're all doing something that's really hard. And then you get to see the Lord working. And it's like over and over. It's been so fun to see. Um, often I've gone out with like groups that haven't done it before. And I think that's so special because often you just see the Lord humping them and you see him blessing their obedience and see him do those little, um, just provide some special conversations. And there is nothing that is more exciting than realizing that we are like, stepping into the battle with the King of Kings and doing stuff, something that is of eternal value and um, uh, so pleasing to him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you uh, work with youth groups? Do you actually uh, speak to youth groups at sometimes. all? Yeah, sometimes. sometimes. Um, we do a lot of... Um, a lot of girls' conferences. My sister started a ministry called Bright Lights, and we um, often do mother-daughter conferences. And then um, sometimes during those conferences on a free day, we'll go out with some of the leaders, and we will go um, to a park or something and do some witnessing. And uh, in our town, we have a number of 
young people from a lot of different churches and youth groups. And, um, and I, uh, have gone out with different, different groups of different natures. And so, but definitely, uh, youth groups are great. <laughs> I think doing like, like you said, like a whole group, a youth group getting together and doing this would be phenomenal. Hmm. Okay. All right. Um, wow. So your book, friends, we didn't cover even half of what was in Grace's book. It, it is so good. And I, I could not suggest or, or encourage you to get this more. I mean, it is such a good book. Um, there's another book that you mentioned that you wrote, and I'm a little interested to hear about it. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Sarah Malley wrote. Yes. Before you meet Prince Charming. Now I've got a seven-year-old and a fourteen-year-old daughters. Okay. Uh, can you tell me about that book? Sure. Yes. Yeah. So before you meet Prince Charming is encouraging girls to um, realize that God wants them to have, you know, the very best marriage, and the world it offers such a horrible model for what marriage <laughs> is, and how even the just the get to know how to get to know a guy. And it's um, so um, empty, and um, girls exchange what could be such a wonderful thing for such a, a cheap thing. And um, so we encourage girls to first have the vision for that for the very best marriage, you know, that that does exist, and that is what God wants them to have and wants to give them. And then to um, and Sarah does really focuses on the heart. And she encourages girls to um, trust in the Lord and to look to Jesus for just in emotional, um, for friendship, for the companionship, for for what you are desiring to to find that in the Lord and to um, set your affections on your relationship with Him. Um, she uses a lot of scripture and stories and examples. And then um, she encourages girls to just be open with their parents, to be just willing to swim upstream, you know. And it's been so exciting for us. Just we we work with a lot of girls, and to see the Lord um, blessing so many girls that have waited for His best with like beautiful relationships and marriages because they they waited for what. God wanted to give them in his timing and um, and not jumped ahead to grab what they thought they wanted, you know, but just waiting on the Lord and um, and then using the years of our youth for ministry because these are some wonderful years and it can really be a burden and tie girls down when they're just occupied with boyfriends and breaking up and such a heartache, you know, but... The Lord wants us to be focused on Him and His work, and there's so much joy there. Mmm, nice. So, uh, your website, tomorrowsforefathers.com, you can also get there by uh, willourgenerationspeak.com. Yes. Uh, It forwards you there. Um, That that looks like a good place to pick up your book. Uh Uh-huh. I, I would imagine you prefer that people get it there rather than Amazon, although they can get it from Amazon. Yeah, they can get it from Amazon. Or also, um, you know, some ministries like Living Waters or Answers in Genesis. Um, 
bookstores can order it through STL, um, but um, but yes, you can order it from our site. We have a, actually an online store, and we have other evangelism resources also, and um, a lot of family discipleship resources. And um, we also have books uh, like a bundle for um, uh, 15 books at um, a reduced rate for, like, youth groups and um, for those that want to order, you know, a little bit more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of good stuff on here. Also, um, regarding one thing regarding youth groups is what you were describing about youth groups going out and doing this together is exactly what what we're trying to um, establish. Like, we'd, we'd love to see that happen more and more. And so I'm working on a study guide right now to encourage um, groups to be first studying together and talking about witnessing and then to be going out together. And so that study guide will be done in January and mm. um, just have a lot of content in there to help um, those discussions. Mmm, interesting. January, that's pretty quick. Yeah, it's been, it's been kind of in process for a while. So That's great. Yeah, cuz I want to I want to introduce this to my youth group and 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 put them through this and and have them read the book. I I I, I would love that. Be, There's so yeah. much there and then take them out. Yeah. So. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, well, Grace, it has been a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. This has been um, really fun, and it's exciting about uh, – it's just exciting what you're doing because I know that um, it's so many just different teachers on apologetics have been so helpful for me, just feeling more equipped and more ready to go out. So I could tell from your site that you have a lot of great stuff. So um, that's I'm interested in going to listen to more. All right, friends. There you have it. Grace Malley. And yes, I would highly suggest that you get her book, Will Our Generation Speak? It really is one of those must-have books. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you again next week.